It's Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough, where each Wednesday we talk to one of the world's most toughest men or women at their most vulnerable. Whether it's a WWE superstar, the leader of the Hells Angels, the Mexican Mafia, a UFC superstar, or the head of the Navy SEALs JSOC team, the most interesting guest, having lived the largest lives, going deep behind the scenes, all the wild and crazy stories they've experienced in their lives and in their career. And then segueing to them facing down their biggest challenges. Did they hit rock bottom? If so, how did it happen? Are they still there? How did they get themselves out of it? What have they learned? It's stuff we all can relate to in our daily lives. Here at Talking Tough, we strive to be equal parts entertainment and inspiration. Please join us every Wednesday for Talking Tough at YouTube or at Launchpad One. Hey everybody, Rick Bassman here for another episode of Talking Tough, the newly revamped Talking Tough. It's only the fifth episode, I think, since the relaunch. If you remember, of course, my my co-hosts were Boss Rutten and Butterbean and Flex Wheeler, absolute icons from the bodybuilding, pro wrestling, mixed martial arts world or boxing world. Um, all still dear friends. They've all popped in on the new revamped podcast, but I, I like doing these things one-on-one. -on -one. Now, sounds kind of dumb because I was with famous people, and I'm not a famous person, and we were up to a couple hundred thousand downloads per episode, which is pretty extraordinary, but that audience is still there with us, with me. I just say us, though, because I have an amazing producer, John Pozorowski from the Two Man Power Trip, um, my YouTube guru, Devin Hannibal Nicholson from the Hannibal TV and uh, we're, we're rocking and rolling with this thing and always out there looking for interesting guests, guests who have stories to tell, guests who have lived some real life. And kind of counterintuitively, I really stay away from mixed martial arts and pro wrestling. That, that'd be the obvious place to go. Uh, every now and then, it just makes sense to like dip back into that, into that world that I know so well, where I have so many friends and bring a guest on who has lived life, been to the top, been to the bottom, ha has a lot of renown, not only for being a famous like on screen or in front of camera performer, but who has a real story to tell and real experience to share. Uh, I'm happy tonight to have a friend with me. Some might say in the olden days, maybe in a couple steps removed, we were kind of rivals. When I had my UPW, Ultimate Pro Wrestling promotion, there were three what we call developmental territories for WWE, then WWF. And while we were all supposed to be friends and getting along, there was definitely competition amongst us. And uh, those are the days where my infamous war with my beloved Jim Cornette started, who was the head of OBW at that time. Another man since has taken it over, took it over many years ago, and has brought it to new heights, um, new levels of respect, new levels of success. Uh, I'm going to have this guy on tonight. I'm really happy about it because beyond where he is now in the pro wrestling world, including a major, major hit show on Netflix, my God, that it just doesn't get bigger than that or better than that. This guy also is a good dude. He's a solid human being who shoots, 
from the hip. So famous pro wrestler, famous Netflix star, presently, today, my friend and great human being, Mr. Al Snow. Wow. Thank you very much, Rick. I really appreciate that uh, intro. That was really nice. Oh, thank you, dude. It's like I, I just winged that. Maybe, maybe I uh, – yeah, you know, it might come from my days of teaching promo class at UPS. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I might have to take you on the road with me as my promo guy. my <laughs> <laughs> hot guy. Are you, like, on the road these days? Are you, like, that – like, and, and I mean this sincerely – like that sought after now that you're like going out and doing a lot of appearances and that sort of uh, thing? Not yet. I really, um, I don't really have a lot of time, free time to do it. Uh, that's what has kind of over the last few years has kind of made me kind of back away from it a little bit because I'm so heavily involved with OBW and you know, the day-to-day operations and writing TV and producing and directing it and, and all of that. It takes it's a lot of time. I mean, I, you know, on uh, on an organization this size, on this level, you know, and I look at what Vince Mann does with WWA, and it's like, how does he do it? I mean, he just it gives it gives me even a greater amount of respect for for him and for what he's done and what he continues to do. I mean, it just it's it's a lot to really take on. It really is. Um, I appreciate you saying that because the fact of the matter is, and this is not casting aspersions at humanity, but most people have no idea. They just oh. don't know it's involved. It's like, as a promoter, yeah, promoter is kind of like a dirty word, as you know, kind of like agent is a dirty word. Um, you may not have experienced it so much because you're also you're you're one of the boys. You're a respected worker, so you you are in the trenches with everybody, but. I think there's a connotation about promoters being guys or women that kind of like by virtue of that, having that title, and this is a big shift from what you just said. I want to get back to how busy it is. Yeah. This connotation that like you take advantage of people to make sure. money off of them and you don't well, really do anything for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that I think, you know, that mindset's always been there. I know it was even more prevalent back when I first broke in when the in the territory days of it was very much uh us versus them, you know, the boys versus the office. And really to be fair, you know, yeah, there were promoters out there and their objective was to try to get you to do the most, to pay the least. Sure. And, and uh, to be fair, uh, you know, there were a lot of the boys that were trying to do the least and get paid the most, you know, and, you know, so you, you've always kind of, you used to have that. And like I said, it was a lot more prevalent, you know, back in the day, Oh, they're the office, you know, and then you kind of, there, there was this line that was drawn in the sand between the office and the boys, you know, uh, and the two never really crossed. Uh, I think that's kind of faded a little bit. Uh, it's not so, much like it used to be back in the day and and i gotta be honest like now i do understand like the promoter does a lot more than just you know capitalize on what you do i mean they're they literally you know without you need them as much as they need you because they make the platform they're providing the platform absolutely yes it allows you to sell your product which is you 
and then giving you an opportunity to make yourself a star so that then the two of you can exploit that that you've created and then they you both make money you know the the promoter of course rightfully so because you know he's put the upfront investment in um and risked uh, a whole lot more financially than you did he gets he gets a you know a bigger share of the money but he also has to pay a bigger share of the bills you know you pretty much just have to take care of you. He's got to take care of the platform and everybody that is making that platform operate so that you have a place to sell your sell your merchandise or sell your your product, which is you. And without it, without either one of you, it doesn't work. So that, that is so well explained, man. That that was brilliant. Um, you you must. There's probably not many people on the planet right now that have that dual perspective as much so if not more so than you so i i, I appreciate that are, are there are there old school guys out there still guys that came up back in the day you know when i had my upw development territory i had um you know i had john cena and i had the miz and yeah. i had victoria before they moved over to ovw and I, right. I i give it up for ovw you guys were the finishing school i was the starting school and that's fine no no yeah. there at all yeah. Um, my, my experience by and large back in those days is there was still that line drawn yeah. amongst people who might be predisposed to think that way. There were plenty of appreciative people like the sure. Miz, Miz was gold from day one. He understood, you know, my contribution, my wife's contribution. And right. I bring it up because I, I was watching um, the wrestler on Netflix, wrestlers, sorry, on Netflix. Yeah. And I see you and your wife in the same room. And yeah. I, I see her talking about, oh, my God, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah. you know, it's been so hard, you know, and this is happening, that's happening. And I think back to my wife when we're in our two-bedroom apartment, uh-huh. which, you know, it's better than a lot of people have, but it's still a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. And I'm the promoter of UPW, big deal, right? Right. Um, the two-bedroom apartment, I look at my wife with tears in her eyes going, how are we going to pay our rent this month? Because I needed to pay the rent on the training facility first. Right. And there were plenty of people that felt like I was still trying to take advantage of them. Maybe it's a defect in my personality. I don't know. But do you, do you feel like that is gone these days or, or more, more so than before? It's the same. You know, I, I realize and I have accepted uh, the situation in regards to the relationship that I have with the talent, you know, uh, you know, if, if I'm right now, you know, because I write the TV, I, you know, I decide who's going to go do what or how I'm going to feature them, you know, and, and quite honestly, they're really, the talent are pretty reliant on me, not because I'm, you know, any and all of that, but because I have experience they don't have. I have a better understanding than they don't have. So I'm able to fill in a lot of blanks for them and, and put them in positions to where, in spite sometimes of themselves, I can, I can actually make them into a, an attraction, a draw, and you know, use them to try to motivate and make money. Um, and they love you. They, and you know that, Rick, they love you when you're, when you're quote unquote pushing them. 
You know, when you're when you're making the show about them, or if you're putting a spotlight on them, they love you. But no sooner than because it's just the natural order of the business. You know, the way this business operates is they're they're at the end of the day they're a product. There's a shelf life, and that's something you have to. You know, back in the day in the territories, hey, you had to run. Everyone gets a run, and then that run comes to an end at some point. You know, you're no longer hot. You're no longer the thing that's drawing money. Somebody else is now kind of catching hold. Well, now we got to kind of make way. So now, you know, you're going to have to return the favor that was given to you on the way up. You know, now you, I need you to take a step back so that at some point, you know, you got to give that favor to the next guy so that he can now stay in center stage. And, you know, that doesn't mean you're not going to get another opportunity, but you have to step away. you gotta, you got to step down or step back and not be in the spotlight, you know, and and then they they don't like you so much anymore. You know what I mean? You're not so popular. You know, a, lot of, a lot of, you know, in the locker room, of, he's holding me back. I don't understand why he's not doing this with me or, you know, because you know, they've got a vision. They've got, a you know, a, an idea in their heads, and they're, you know, and you're now not you're not putting them front and center. Well, now you're the, you're the worst guy in the world. You know, you're the biggest dick on the planet, you know, where just a month ago we were like this, you know, and you you just have to know it and understand it and expect that it's, it's going to be like that. Would you say that you've almost like developed a, a, a cynicism toward it, healthy cynicism or. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would I call myself now in life I'm a cynical optimist. I always call myself an optimistic pessimist. That's oh, <laughs> I'm not very pessimistic, but I'm very cynically no, optimistic. optimistic realist. That's what yeah. I mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well that's kinda yeah, I'm a, I'm very cynically optimistic. Okay, fair fair enough. You know, you're talking about these guys. And like I said, man, we Al and I, for those who are watching, hopefully lots and lots of you we talked for a couple minutes before we went live here. No prep at all, just basically saying, I'll, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. So I didn't really have in my mind to talk too much about the relationship between the boys and the girls now, yeah. promoters. But it's, it's an interesting subject, and I think fans, sure. I hope, are interested in that. I, I think it gives people an insight into how the business really operates, you know, what you, what you have to deal with. Yes, you know? absolutely. So, so the what you're talking about in a couple of minutes ago, you said they love you. <laughs> I think you did the air quotes um, when things are going well for them. But you know, sure. you and I, we're veterans, and we've been around, and you know, we're not we're not dumb guys. I right. think I think we can tell. I know we can tell when we're being worked. Um, oh yeah. And and someone's treating us like they love us because they're in that spot. Sure. And, you know, I, I've had plenty of guys in my time. And this is the one side of the guys, I won't name names. I don't do that anymore. There's no point in it, shooting on people. But, you know, a guy who's a top guy these days, who I pushed to the moon, who came crying to me literally twice when things weren't going his way and I made some adjustments to push him and ended up burying me when his push was over. Sure, yeah. I've had also guys whose names I will name uh-huh. Paul London is probably like my, my best example. Paul's a quirky dude. We all know Paul. Um, sure. But Paul is a guy that I like absolutely ignored when he came to UPW. Did it yeah. on his own dime. 
I did nothing for the guy. And this guy is like one of my favorite people on the planet all these years later yeah. because he's a good dude, you know? And it's like that, that was his nature. And he ended up doing stuff for me later. And now it's like whenever there's an opportunity I can hand out, not hand out, an yeah. opportunity I can bring to somebody, I'm going to go to Paul first because Sylvester Turkai is another one. You probably yeah. know Sylvester. You had Sylvester in OBW. For yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. They're just like heart and soul. They're good people. And it's like you want to, you want to do for them. Um, I, I don't really have a, a question in this other than is it pretty simple for you to see who's being genuine and who's oh, being yeah. disingenuous? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's okay. I, I, I don't – it doesn't bother me. I don't take it personally, you know. Uh, I understand. I know. I know how this business works, and I know why the talent operate the way they do. You know, some being disingenuous, and you know, and and some of them are being genuine at the moment. And then, of course, when it no longer fits their narrative or their purpose, yes. well, now they get resentful, and you know, and and that you know, I I I tell. A lot of people who want to get into the wrestling business, you know, uh, like on this side of things, you know, on the promoter side of things, I go, listen, you must understand, number one, the wrestling business is just like every other business. I mean, you, you literally, you're going to market your product. You're going to try to build a, 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 a customer base or fan base to buy your product. You know what I mean? You're going to try to create an experience with the product that then lends itself to, you know, motivate that that customer base to want to re-experience your product on a regular basis. You know, um, that's no different than any other business. But here's where it diverges. You know, you, you get a Jimmy John's franchise. Well, you, you're going to do the same thing I do with OBW. You're going to, you know, market your sandwiches. You're going to make your sandwiches. You're going to try to develop sandwiches that people really like. You're going to try to create an experience, and you're going to try to mark market all of that to build that customer base. I do the same thing. The difference is my sandwiches all have their own agendas and they all have their own neuroticism and their own egos and their own, you know, uh, insecurities and inferiorities and that, and you know, they all get in their own heads. They all have their own conversations that never happen that don't really, and they all have their own suppositions and assumptions. And, you know, I used to be one of them. So, that gives me a little bit of an edge in understanding where they come from because I would I went and did a lot of the same things, you know, when I didn't need to. And so I do, it doesn't necessarily upset me. You know, it does when I they think that they really genuinely seek out and try to make an effort to try to get over on me. That bothers me because... And it shouldn't, but it does because at this point of doing this for 41 years, it's like, listen, now all you're doing is insulting my intelligence. Come on. If you honestly don't know that I know what you're doing while you're doing it, you're fooling yourself. And, you know, I've got to give them credit because I get busy and, yep. you know, and, and I don't really totally focus 100% all the time on every single person and they yeah. might get away they might get a little bit of ground on me but then all of a sudden when I notice and then I'm like okay I know what you're up to you know 
And then they they have the nerve then to make it worse by going, what? No, I wouldn't. Oh, just say, yeah, I did. You got me. And we're done. I mean, I, there's no heat. You know, the heat comes from you thinking you're really going to lie to me. And you're not. <laughs> just quit. All right, now I've got a probably a weird question for you. And I'm going to have... I have to search to how to articulate this. Mm -hmm. 41 years you've been doing this. Yeah. Uh, what you're, the experience you're describing right now, like we, we're promoters. You were one of the boys. I've had, I think I have five matches, so I have no pretenses about being one of the boys. Although my, my illusion, as I like to think, I have a lot of real friends from the industry, and I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I did hopefully something right along the way. But – Having been the promoter or the agent, I had plenty of this too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I we we all have our shortcomings, and we all have things we want to work on. One of mine still these days is like processing resentments. And you know, at this age, I would hope I wouldn't have any. Um, yeah. hope one day I don't because it make me a better person to not have that. But here here's what I'm leading to. You've talked about people that might treat you in a certain way. Um, yeah without asking you to name names, because this is this is not a shoot show. I never do that. Um, yeah. If you could think about the one person in your mind from this business who has, like, quote-unquote, burned you worse than anybody else, uh -huh. and you haven't, uh, you know, you, you never really processed it with, forget with yourself, with them. If that person walked into your office tonight, uh -huh. Would it be worth having the conversation with them, or do you just pretend all is okay? Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, for me, it is okay. I mean, it's it's done, and what are you going to do? I mean, it's not like, you know, so you're going to get them to apologize? Oh, wow. You know, well, that's a weight off my shoulders. Eh, I don't care. You know, you did what you did. You know, you had your reasons, you know. And it's water under the bridge, quite honestly. Move on, you know. But now if you're going to come back in and you think you're going to try to do it again or treat me the same way again, well, then now we're going to have a conversation. And, you know, we're going to resolve this, uh, you know, because to some point I'm going to hold myself at fault because one of my biggest faults, quite honestly, this will sound crazy to say, is that I'm, I am tolerant to, to a fault. I'm way too tolerant and I'm way too patient with people's behavior. And people mistake that kindness as a weakness. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I tell people all the time, look, that is the biggest thing you can mistake is because if you push past that point of tolerance and patience, the one thing you're going to walk away from is not thinking that I'm kind. You know, and I'm not saying that as a threat or whatever. You know, I, because it's, you know, I abhor, you know, physical violence. I'm not that I wouldn't do it, but, uh, in the right situation, but, uh, but I can become incredibly, you know, condescending and snarky and smart assy and, you know, and I can, I can emotionally tear people up verbally, you know. Never seen that in you before. Interesting. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it, that's a, negative part of my personality so you know i could do it i don't like i don't do it off you know very i used to be a little bit more when i was younger and you know i've gotten a lot better about it as i've gotten older and and a real thing that has helped me is really realizing i mean really genuinely realizing 
two, two I feel are inalienable truths. One is, is that I absolutely know the only person on this planet I can control is me. And, and I always tell everybody, you know, hey, I can give you advice. I don't like doing it because if you're smart enough, you really don't need me to tell you. You kind of already know the answer. And if you're dumb enough, you're not going to listen anyways. So why do we need to waste each other's time? You know what I mean? So you do you. Because I know at the end of the day, whatever decision you make, I don't have to go to bed with it. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to wake up with it. So I'll, I'll empathize. I'll sympathize. You know what I mean? I'll care about you. But I can't control you. I can only control me. Simple as that. Amen. And amen to that. You know, that, I guess and, age and experience does bring some wisdom, hopefully, right? No, not the other thing. Other thing that I know and I really feel and believe, no one makes me feel anything. No one. I, you do a behavior, you say something, you have a comment, you have an idea, you, you tell a story, a joke. I interpret that and then I get to choose how I'm going to feel. You know what I mean? And there's not much or many that are going to make me decide that, that it has to be a negative emotion. Dude, if you are truly in that place and I am not challenging you, bless you, man, because that that's where you like attain peace in your life. And, you know, and, and I love this because here's two like, you know, wrestling guys talking about yeah. the kind of stuff that, you know, Wayne Dyer or The Secret or Marianne Williamson, yeah. the spouse on the daily. Dude, but it's real shit. It really is. Are, are you like, and I never thought I'd be, we'd get into this kind of question. Are you like a student of the the metaphysical world or oh, yeah you know, yeah you always, have always have been and i'm always you know and but uh, and, uh, uh philosophers great philosophers and stoicism i've realized that my uh the process or whatever the belief i now have or or behavior is 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 akin to stoicism you know and uh being stoic and uh you know, and I, you know, and I'm not perfect. I mean, that, you know, I, you know, it's, you can't control you know, all of your emotions or anything. I'm not, you know, Spock from Star Trek. Uh, but I, I certainly, I do now take more responsibility uh, for my own emotions, you know, and not put them on that responsibility onto somebody else. Yeah. And, and you don't let whatever way the wind blows affect where you're going at that particular moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I still get frustrated and I'll still get, you know, not maybe get worked up or whatever. I don't necessarily get angry, but I'll get worked up or, you know, things like that. But it doesn't, you know, uh, it doesn't last and I don't hold on to it and, you know, I move on. Move on to life. So, so here's another weird question for you then. And it's so, so far apart from talking about programs. And I love this. Yeah. Um, like, what, what is your, like, internal like interpersonal goal for yourself when how like my dad who was like the nicest guy in the world and i loved him yeah. he died at 80 and my dad would still get like really worked up like at a waitress if she screwed something up yeah. <laughs> like dad come on he was a great guy he really was yeah um, yeah i would say my dad did not die a peaceful person bless him uh, a good person for sure yeah. um like my goal, one of many goals, is when I, when I finish the journey here on planet Earth, is 
I hope to like be genuinely nice to every person I encounter in every situation, and, right. and but not to force that to that actually have yeah. come to a genuine place for me. Um, it, it sounds like you're on a great journey. Are you able like to articulate? Oh, I, I think I think I've been on a great journey. I you know a couple truths uh, more truths if you want to hear them. I mean that I feel like I've you know discovered in my life. You know my father passed away um uh years uh years ago i and i'll have to apologize i'm not good with time anymore or dates uh yeah. but uh um and my stepfather had passed away uh in a while but and this was you know just recently uh my my older brother you know just suddenly you know passed away had a heart attack and passed away so, and well, i but you know it I look at now, myself included, everyone and everything in your life, including yourself, is a story. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you can never start a new story until one story comes to an end. And in our, I think my job for me is I, I just got to make the best story possible, you know, I've got lots of great stories thanks to living a certain story throughout for 41 years. I've been blessed to live an awesome story. You know, I've gotten to meet people like yourself and do a podcast, do, you know, do this interview, go places, see things, do things that other people only literally Rick reading books or, or watch on the internet or whatever. You know, I've been on four or five safaris in South Africa. I've been, I'm not bragging. I just, these are things. Oh, I've done. I, I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I dove off of a, a 40 foot waterfall in Iceland, you know, seeing the Northern lights, uh, you know, I, I, the list could go on and on. You know what I mean? So I, I've got this amazing story and my job is to help others live their stories too, you know, and, 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 and just when I go, then, you know, the, my goal is that when I, I leave to have as many people miss me when I'm gone. <laughs> I think that's a very worthy goal, man, for sure. Um, in, in, in recognizing the story you're living at the time you're living it, I think it's yeah. very, very interesting that you said, you know, one, one of my, maybe one of my biggest regrets is, you know, like yourself, I've had hundreds if not thousands of like off the charts experiences in my lifetime yeah. and there are so many i look back on and go i just didn't get it at the time i didn't oh, yeah. at the time so you you have you have a you're, you're the star of a major netflix um hit right now yeah are, are you like going oh my god this is great this is so cool or is it just another day at the office for you no, it's definitely not just another day. I I am so grateful for it. You know, I, I, and when I really, okay, when you really think about it, I mean, how lucky am I? Seriously. How just absolutely step in a bucket of shit and come out smelling like a rose lucky am I? I because I, I was the star on three seasons of on MTV on Tough Enough. You know, that's a once in a lifetime, Rick, literally to have an opportunity like that. And it was some of the most rewarding and 
awesome stuff I'd ever done in wrestling. You know what I mean? Uh, and then out of nowhere, you get yet another chance to be featured in something somewhat similar, you know, and, and uh, by, I mean, just, I'm blown away. I mean, I, I am so absolutely blessed and grateful and thankful and, you know, in, in all of the positive feedback, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I was terrified that, uh, that one possibility was that nobody would talk about it, you know, which is like, you know, poor Danny Cage and the Monster Factory, they did a, did a docu-series or whatever that aired on Apple Plus TV. Brother, nobody, like it was like Sagebrush was rolling down the street, you know. I've, I've never heard of it, so there Correct. you go. Correct. Right. Nobody even in the wrestling world talked about it. Yeah, wow, you know? okay. And, you know, and then, you know, I was worried about that. And then you're always, you know, when you put yourself in, which I've known that for a lot of years, you know, you you want to be in the public eye, you want to be in the center of attention. Well, not all of it's going to be in front of you. There's going to be a lot of it that's going to be behind you, you know, and it's not all going to be positive. So you got to be able to withstand it and have a thick skin, you know. So I was prepared. thought I was going to get a lot of negative stuff, a lot of remarks, especially on social media. That's the place that everybody <laughs> feels really confident too because it gives them a gives them an outlet to voice you know their feelings and their opinions which always are pretty naturally negative and, but it gives them a bit of anonymity so they can speak really from how they feel you know without feeling because they have no repercussions you know well, they can no make any mark any accusations whatever they want and you know, they're, they're going to get away scot-free. Uh, but surprisingly, you know, everything on the show, social media-wise, everything has been completely positive. I mean, 99.9% positive. And, and it's just blown me away, you know. I'm so grateful for it. And, and you know, having a, an incredible, talented director-producer like Greg Whiteley, who did Last Chance You and Cheer and and all of this crew that, you know, they all made, you know, they didn't just make OVW or me or the wrestlers. They made the wrestling business. They treated it with real respect, and they showed just how passionate everyone is that's in this profession, you know. They have done a good job of that, and I was absolutely yeah. going to comment on that. And, and yeah. It's really good to see. It's not an expose. I think those days hopefully are, are long behind us anyway. But yeah, I really thought that it treated or treats the business with the respect that that it deserves. Um, there are two questions I want to ask off of this. The, yeah. the first is you're very candid, as are the other people on screen, about talking about and addressing the challenges that face you in the OVW business. At least sure. at the time you were in production. Like yes. If you don't have a sold-out house and a final show, you might have to hold the money that's being lost, so on and so forth. Um, you guys are really candid about that, which I appreciated. How much, if at all, has this show affected the condition of the OVW business? Oh, it, you know, because uh, we do live television every Thursday night, you know. 
And, uh, you know, it, it was, it's not like we have a huge building anyways. I mean, we only see about 400 people, but, you know, we, you know, we were, we were doing better. Business was picking up and we were doing sellouts here and there along the way, you know, but we've literally for the last eight weeks have sold out every television. Wow. <clears throat> you know, broadcast. You can attribute and, that to a degree, at least to the Netflix show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good. Netflix Good. show has given us uh, an incredible boost in not only awareness, but relevancy. Okay. You know? And, uh, uh, you know, in, in, um, we had a pay-per-view in October and three weeks prior to the pay-per-view, we'd already sold the live attendance out for that. Wow. You know, we yeah. have a television special that's going to be on, on Thanksgiving week. You know, it's not a pay-per-view, but it'll have marquee type matches and that we've already, we're almost practically almost sold out of that. So, you know, live attendance wise, it's really dramatically done that. It's brought another investor who not only has some capital to reinvigorate the company, but also has a lot of uh, business acumen and uh, tools and connections that can help us really scale up uh, OVW to another level. So when you talk about scaling up to another level, what are some, what are some of the big business goals for the next year or two or five? Uh, just, you know, uh, securing it, you know, at some point we'd I'd love to secure a, a television deal of some sort, you know, um, you know, that we can, you know, be able to monetize our television show. That really is the name of the game, you know, is to try to monetize as much and then reach a larger audience, you know, and, and once I feel like we have an audience that's aware of us, um, I really feel confident that, we can, you know, drive ratings and we can drive, we can drive all of the other components of the, <clears throat> of the business through that television, you know, because like Vince Russo and I always have this, you know, debate, but even though he, he he's kind of quietly acquiesced, even though he doesn't want to give it up, he doesn't want to stop the argument. Right. And that is that, you know, he, he's always like, it's a wrestling, wrestling show is a TV show. And I'm like, no, it's not. Never has been, never will be. Wrestling show is, without a question or a doubt, no ifs, ands, or buts, it's a commercial. It's a two-hour or one-hour commercial to sell your product, which your product are the wrestlers. And you use that platform to give them individual commercials during that period of time to sell themselves. And that then sells live attendance. It sells television ratings. It sells merchandise sales. It sells licensing agreements. All of that because that you do that commercial disguised as a television show. Well, well said. All right, and, and on the heels of all that, here's a challenging one for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching your show. I'm watching the boys, the girls, some of whom I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting when I visited you a few months. Yeah. ago. All right. So let's say you get that that TV deal, whatever it looks like. This is a tough one, Al, so abate it, if you will. Sure. You say we a lot. You say, I notice this, you say we, our, and us, and I love that and I respect that because you know that, you know, OBW, you're, you're the face of it. You're, you're the helm. You could say I and me and my, but you know it's a team effort and oh, yeah. around and involves a lot of people. Sure. 
tomorrow you get that big TV deal. Yeah. Who's your talent roster? How much of it? Um, how much of it comes from your current okay. roster, or how much do you have to go outside? I know. The same. Exactly. Why do I have to go outside? And you, and you know that answer immediately. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know why? Here, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Why am I going to go outside? I'll tell if I go outside, you're going to ask me to go get a talent that's now going to charge me money because you know as well as I do, Rick. This is the way it, it works, not the way that this has gotten all jacked up. Okay, this is the way the entertainment industry works, not just the wrestling business, but the entertainment business works. Okay, people get hot when I say this. I really don't care. As you know, nowadays it's like you know you're like okay, you got to go outside of OVW. And you got to go get yourself a, a, a talent. Well, I, I'm, I'm all for that, okay? But why am I going to go outside and get a talent who's now going to charge me a much greater nightly rate, right, mm -hmm. that, that they're not going to draw, mm -hmm. all right, that I'm now going to have a higher overhead with, that I'm going to have to put them on my TV and do exactly the same thing that I'm doing with the existing talent I'm doing for them right now. So why am I going to pay somebody more to do the same thing that I can do with the talent that I'm paying less? And not because they don't, you know, I'm not paying them less because I want to. I'm paying them less because I don't have the resources well, to pay that's them more. What you're paying what the equation merits. I because the way that the entertainment industry works is this. If I put a talent's name on any piece of advertising, how many people are going to see that talent's name and are going to be motivated to then take action and buy access to viewing that talent do their job? If, if, the, if the equivalent is zero, that's what that talent's worth. But nowadays, that's not how it works. Nowadays, the precept, the mindset is, hey, I'm wrestling for you like I work at Walmart, and so therefore I'm entitled to get paid because I'm performing a task. Right. No, you're not. Right. I'm putting you in the ring on my platform, on my television show to allow you to Sell yourself. Yes. And yes. then if you successfully sell yourself, we both make money. But if you think it's like you digging a ditch, that you're performing a task for me, guess what? I already know you're not going to get over whether I put you on there or not. Right. Because you don't have the right mindset yep. Yep. for us both to be able to capitalize on our, on our efforts together. You're just simply going to go out there and perform. You're not going to work a wrestling match and entertain an audience. And there is a big difference that has been lost in understanding the term work because the definition of a work is to make an audience believe a lie. And let's, you and I know very well the only lie in wrestling is that the match is already predetermined as to who wins and who loses. So the only thing I'm ever selling to that audience it's who I am as a person and my intent behind everything I physically do in that ring. That's it. And that's all that audience wants to believe in. But you as a performer, not a worker, you're going to sell what you do because you think all of what you do is what motivates that audience, and it never does. Wow. <laughs> Have you written a book yet? 
I did write a book uh, called Self Help uh, Life Lessons from the Bizarre Wrestling Career of Al Snow. Okay. So, when did you write it? Uh, a couple of years ago. It's still on Amazon. Amazon. I look at your posts every now and then, and I'm like, yeah. that guy explains these microcosmic parts of the pro wrestling business better than anybody else. And I like, it seems like there should be a book of wisdom by Al Snow about navigating the wrestling business. That's why I was asking. Um, yeah, somebody would probably read it. Not, not many will read the other one either. <laughs> well, now, now that you're a big Netflix star, maybe, maybe that's yeah. not the case. Maybe they'll pick it up. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, so 41 years, that's 1982. 1982. Yeah. Hell, I can still subtract in my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, was K, okay, so K-Fabe was yeah. still kind of sort of a thing back then. Oh, very much so, yeah. All right, so K-Fabe, for those watching who are uninitiated, means those inside the business protect the business. You put the word out that, oh, no. that no. it's real. It's real. No, no. Yeah, K-Fabe, really, if, if you want me to, I'll explain. K-Fabe yeah, was a, a non, it was a weird signal word that you would use in situations that you would, did not allow, you didn't want to let somebody, a fan or a mark or somebody was not inside the business, you didn't want to smarten them up or overhear something. So you use the word K-Fabe in a sentence like, hey, Hey, you, you, that girl asked about you last night. Her name was uh, Kay, Kay Fay. Remember her? And you'd be like, oh, yeah. And you knew right then and there, to there was somebody in the midst that you didn't want to smarten up. Kay Fay really was, because since the 1940s, and at least in, in the United States, the general audience has known that wrestling's predetermined. Uh, and Kay Fay was kind of a respect for the audience and basically us saying, hey, we know you know that we know you know, but we're never going to really insult your intelligence. You understand? We know you want to believe and we know you like it because that way you can enjoy it and you can get like there's a consequence to the wins and losses that really matters to you to see the outcome. You know, we're never going to just rub it in your face. We're, we're going to give you the respect of, you know, allowing you to be entertained and, and not, not shit on you for doing it. And that, that's no different than if you go, you know, major motion pictures and they, the producers and everything go through such painstakingly uh, great amounts of work to ensure that at no point in time while you're at least in the movie theater that you're ever taken completely out of that world, that you, you can be... And the same goes for wrestling. It's just for wrestling, we, you know, we've got to, you know, we are selling you who we are and we're selling you why we're doing it. Well, we can't stop. For an actor, they can just be a different character. But for us, you're believing in us. And so if I don't keep that up and keep selling that to you, then you, you're disappointed because you don't feel like you got what you paid to see. For for yeah. sure, and and of course, and of course, I get all that. But but what you're doing, and and this is, I'm, and I'm on your side, by the way. Yeah. What you're doing on Netflix is you're explaining to people yes. exactly what you're telling me right now. Where in the olden days, whenever that was, that would all be. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Well, and that was it. I was very reticent. I got to be honest. I was very reticent about doing the Netflix thing. 
but I trusted Greg that for, for, for that reason primarily. For that reason, it, here's why, and, uh, and and I always use this analogy because I think it's the best analogy. There's so much of your life, right, that is like it's like the movie The Wizard of Oz. Okay, life is black and white, and you know it's there's no magic to it anymore. As an adult, we lose all of that. You know that's why I love children because when they're young, everything everything's possible. Uh, it's all magic. So. Once Dorothy goes to Oz, well, then the world becomes all colorful because it's all full of magic until the end where you pull back the curtain right? and there's a little old man pushing buttons, twisting dials, pulling chains, and now it goes back to black and white. So I didn't want, you know, and I, you know, I kind of had that conversation a little bit and I said, listen, I, I know I've got to commit, all of us do, and I, I really was proud of all the staff and all the talent and all the employees that everybody committed that we weren't going to be half pregnant. We, we either all open it all the way up or we don't. And everybody did. Um, even the personal lives, you know, uh, everyone just as a comment, everyone seems very comfortable with that. As yeah. well. That's what I've gotten by watching. Yeah. But the one thing I really admire about Greg Whiteley is that he had enough respect and reverence for, and then the understanding, I think, innately that he pulled back the curtain, but he didn't pull it back so far the where he completely killed the magic of the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. He just added and enhanced uh, your experience of it. I would agree yeah. that, that you've all achieved that balance for sure. Yeah. Al, I cannot resist. I have to bring it up. I have to sure. Has Jim Cornette seen the show and has he commented to you? Uh, I think he has, um, and of course, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's not said anything to me, okay. um, and I get it. I mean, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy knows his gimmick and he knows what drives his audience because he, he's very successful with his podcast. And I think he took a little bit of a more of a negative bend towards it. Um, uh, from what I understand, I don't, I didn't actually hear directly what he said, but I, I know he didn't, he didn't talk on it much, you know? Uh, he just briefly hit upon it, and um, he wasn't—he didn't give it a tongue lashing, that's for sure. But uh, you know, he also didn't give it a sterling review either. So, okay. you know, which I is okay. Ask, man, and I push every now and then. Like in 1998, um, I I produced a one-hour special for the Discovery Channel called mm -hmm. "On the Inside Pro Wrestling School." And I did it with Tom Beers. Tom was a guy who created and produced and distributed um, the Axeman and Ice Road Truckers and Deadliest Catch, some big, big shows. And uh, all my, uh, and that, we chronicled five people kind of coming up through the ranks. That's right when John Cena started. So yeah. He was one of those before he became John Cena. Uh, yeah. Jimmy lost his shit, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Never heard the end of it. Uh, so I had to ask, that's all. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that he has found some peace 20-some years later and that this show is full with him now. That's all. There's no yeah. question there. Just saying. So, Jimmy's Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, do we freeze? Oh, we yeah. Uh, I said, Jimmy's Jimmy, and you got to love him. You know what I mean? He just is what he is. I, that's again, that's I, love, I love him too. If I come back to Louisville, though, yeah. can I please fight him at the OVW training center? No, no. <laughs> uh, 
especially now, which is so disappointing, you know. It, it, it's all destination. All of it's destination. I want to go to WWE. Here's the two destinations. I want to go to WWE. If I don't go to WWE, I just want to get signed. I want to get signed somewhere because that's the that's my card carrying, you know. And and it was funny, like you know, we were uh, I do a TV review class, and this was quite a while ago, and you know, I'm reviewing you know reviewing stuff, and uh, one of the guys is like, hey, when did you know when did you go to WWF? I go live. Uh, you know, how long have you been wrestling, you know, when you got there? I said, well, I went in 95. I started in 82. I'd been wrestling for like 13, 14 years ago. 13, 14 years, you know, until you got signed. I go, well, yeah. And they go, oh, but why, why did it take so long? And I go, well, probably because that wasn't my goal getting in. My goal getting into the business was just to be in the business and do it. I knew if I got in, I'd make money, and I've made plenty of money. Sometimes I've made more. Some territories I made less. You know, some runs I, you know, made a lot more. Some runs I made a lot less. It just depended. I said, but, you know, WWF was just another territory that, you know, I could go to and and then get, it, get, get to work in front of an audience and make money. It didn't matter to me. You know, it just that boggled his mind. You know, he was like, how he could not understand that because that's, they're so consumed. But I, like, I keep trying to advise them because, again, you know, smart enough, I don't need to tell you, dumb enough, probably not going to listen. But I still advise them, and I go, with that attitude of the destination, I promise you, you get there, you're not going to be happy. I said, I can call any one of my kids that are there right now. I said, no, nah, we'll be on the phone for two hours. And you know what the, the, that phone call would consist of? Them bitching constantly. Mm-hmm. I said, for two reasons. One, we as wrestlers, that we are notorious because we will bitch about everything. You could pay a professional wrestler a million dollars a year and have them work one night. You, you know this is a fact, Rick. Mm-hmm. One night a year, and they will find something to bitch about. Whether it oh do you I didn't get first class or you know I had to I had a layover or I'm working in that building again or I'm working with that guy or I didn't get to work with that guy or I gotta win I gotta lose I gotta go that long I gotta go that short they'll find something to complain about it's just what we do you know um, and the other part of it which they don't grasp and they don't understand is just how unbelievably competitive being in that locker room in WWE is mm-hmm. and the stakes that they're playing for mm-hmm. and the fact that you literally, there is no day off ever in the wrestling business. You have to be thinking two and three moves ahead of everyone that you're sitting in that building with constantly. Mm-hmm. That's both your fellow wrestlers and all of the staff and employees as well. You have to be on and and being able to notice what everybody's doing and because everybody's working an angle. Mm -hmm. You go out there and get 30 seconds of television time, there's somebody in the back who thinks they deserved it more and are going to do everything they can to take that 30 seconds away from you. And don't fool yourself. Because as you go up the ladder and the stakes get higher, the pressure gets worse and the game gets harder. And you are playing poker and chess 
24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, if you can survive for any length of time in that environment, brother, there ain't many people that are going to get over on you in any walk of life, period, because you are so tuned in to watching, listening, acting, and not selling, you know, until you need to. I mean, it's, it is like playing poker, but you've got to be on, and, and when you're at home, you're still thinking and working and keeping those things going, you know. That's why they're miserable because they, you know, they complain about the schedule and the schedule is hard. Physically, it's hard, you know, but it's mentally and emotionally much more of a challenge than anything else. Good. Again, explained so well. This is why, this is why I asked about you and your book. Um, I, uh, my book finally comes out this year and I have oh, a, congratulations. Um, uh, sorry. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I have about a two page introduction to mixed martial arts and a two-page introduction to pro wrestling. Yeah. And I don't talk about the business. I talk about the individual yeah. and how that person has to be as a person, what their yeah. experience is like. And uh, I, that said, I, I want to send it to you now just to look at offline because it so mirrors everything you just said, man. It's yeah. um it's not, an easy, it's not an easy job, that's for sure. Oh, God, no. it's, a, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things you can do. It really is. Cause, and I tell that to a lot. You know, I told it to another young guy. You know, he was like, oh, I just all I want to do is wrestle for a living. I, I, you can do it right now. Right now, you could wrestle for a living. I said, but you don't want to. He goes, why do you say that? I said, because you love your job. He goes, how can you say that? I don't love my job. I hate my job. I go, no, you don't. He goes, how, how can you say that? I go, because you haven't quit. I said, that's why you know you don't you that you love your job. And he goes, well, I don't love it. I go, yeah, you do. Yeah. He goes, what do you mean? I go, here's the difference. Okay, you go to work, and you are an employee. You have made an agreement with wherever you work that you're going to be there, and for each hour you're there, you're going to get paid a certain rate per hour. Uh, that's the only agreement you have. You're going to perform a task, whatever task they assign. And that during those hours that you're there, you're going to get paid this per hour. I said, you show up tomorrow, and you're like, you know what? I really don't feel like putting 100% in. I'm going to just glide through the day, and I'm going to put about 45% effort in. Mm -hmm. You expect and are entitled to get 100% of your money. Right. I go, aren't you? He goes, yeah. I go, here, if you're in the wrestling business, you have to put in 100% every single day. And guess what? You are not entitled to get 100% of that money. Sometimes it might take numerous days of you putting in 100% and not getting a return until all of a sudden now you start getting that return down the road. And I said, Matt, a lot of people don't like doing. I said, so don't fool yourself. It takes a special individual. I'm sure people out there watching this right now are saying, sign me up for that, right? Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so – Here's a fan question. People watching yeah. your show now on Netflix, watching wrestlers. Yeah. Now, understanding the goal is OVW is going to continue to grow. You'll get the big right. TV platform. Your stars will be your stars. Prior to that happening, is there anybody we're watching on wrestlers right now that is the next big thing for WWE? Oh, potentially, yeah. There's quite a few uh, there that could be. And, you know... There are there are some that are very young. 
um, you know, and are just at the beginning of their career. There's a couple that are, you know, longer in the tooth, you know, that have been doing this for a while on the indie scene. But, you know, you know as well as I do, I mean, you find the right person at the right time and put them in the right place and they'll draw money. They get look at look at you know uh, um, Marty Wright, boogeyman. Yeah, you know he was forty years old when he came yeah. to Tough Enough and and got got us. You know he got hired. You know our good friend, our good mutual friend Dallas Page, thirty six. Dallas Page started started late. You know became a major draw. You know became a star. You know so you know you there is no rule as far as you know always. That, per, that 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 totally one hundred percent disqualifies the person. If they think that you putting you in the right in with the right other person can do business and can draw them money, you are going to get that opportunity to do it. Yeah, and and you know you never do know. It's like I, you know back when I had my school at UPW, Ultimate University was the name of the school. We had literally over a thousand people through that school over the years, which yes. OVW is probably a small number. He probably had a lot more. Um, we had a guy named Sean Ricker come through. Who I yeah. do you know who that is? Yeah, I, I didn't look at him twice. I'm like, okay, another guy. The LA Knight. He came right? here. He when he got here, right? Mm-hmm. He, what what a story. Did, did you, you know, see it? Did you see it? Because I I did not, not initially, right? He came in with a kid by the name of uh, Mike Cruel. Uh, uh, his dad was out of New York. Uh, his dad was a worker. And then uh, another kid out of Texas. I can't remember. Eddie something. Eddie something. So they came in like a trio at the same time, right? Okay. And uh, Mike, awesome hand in the ring, you know what I mean? Uh, Ed was solid. Uh, and Sean could talk, had a personality. Okay. But I didn't know what, you know, I couldn't figure out what to do with him. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and then I did, I did an angle. With Sean, where you know he went to blind, you know, throw the fire or whatever, blind somebody, it backfires, and then he goes around faking that he's blind all the time. Okay. And I was able to do all kinds of business with this guy, and he got over where he got, you know. Okay. When they they took people down to Florida, they took him down to Florida. I don't know if you know the whole situation with Sean, you know. Well. He got released, you know, from his developmental contract, and then it just crushed him. Uh, and he called me, you know, on the day that he took his own life. So, uh, you know, he called me, and I, and I, you know, called the police there. They got there too late. He had already taken his own life. So, you know, and that's why I, I advise uh so many of these young guys and girls you know to not it be all about the destination you know uh and not allow the professional wrestling business to become who they are because it'll eat you alive you know and and unfortunately it did for sean you know he just didn't see how he could go on living when his purpose for living had come to an end all right so i I have to bring it's going to be embarrassing probably for me Mm -hmm. uh because people out here watching are probably going, wait a sec. <laughs> which, who, I'm so sorry, Al. I, I almost want to do this after we're off the air. But uh, which, which Sean are we talking about now? Sean Ricker, the, Sean Ricker, he was bad seed. Oh, God. You know, and I screwed that up. Okay. Okay. My, my mistake. Hmm. Um, 
Wow, yeah, and I do know about that, of course. I this is me being Dick Lessig and uh, and getting old. Uh, I was I was referencing L.A. Knight, who came through high school. On that, yes, yes. Who's also Sean, of course, and I just yeah, he's Sean as well, yeah. Yeah, and I just I didn't see that back in the day. That, right. Yeah, yeah, but and then the reason I really got confused is for a second I thought you were talking about my dear friend Sean O'Hara who took his life, of course. Yeah, and Sean O'Hara had taken his life too, pretty much a lot for the same kind of reason, you know. He, yes. You know, you know this, this, you know, we talked about it on Wrestlers on Netflix. You know, I tell, you know, I talk about how this, you know, gives people a purpose for their life, and you know, um, and then that's why I really advise like. Don't make it about the destination, you know what I mean? Make it about the, the, the ride, you know? Because, you, you know, if you make it about the ride, you know, so if you get cut from WWE, you get cut from WWE. So what? Go work other places, you know? It's, and then you might always, you might go back. And, you know, like when Cody, you know, I trained Cody Rhodes, and, you know, when Cody wanted to leave, quit, and, you know, I made a quote about, well, good for him. He quit on his own terms. And everybody's like up in arms, like, how could you say that? I'm like, if he ha- he makes the choice and he goes someplace else and gets himself back over, he can have another run. He can have a better coming in a better spot and look where he's at. You know, look at Drew McIntyre. Same thing. You know, sometimes it's a blessing to be removed and then given an opportunity and freedom to reinvent yourself and come back and put yourself in a better spot. Well, that, it adds perspective to, to the game of life. That That is for sure. That, I've seen it time and again where people come in, go out, get another run, and are, and are all the better for it and, yeah. and, and recognize that at the time. Who, who, are, um, who would you say you're most proud of that's come through your OVW oh. for, for not only where they are in their career, but like who they are as a person? All of them. Every last one of them. Do you know why? Because they did one thing that mo- the rest of the population doesn't. They believed enough of themselves to take a chance. I genuinely believe. No bullshit. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeding anybody. I think, you know, and again, it's your choice. You can do whatever you want. You know, this is just advice. Okay? I genuinely believe anybody could do absolutely anything they want to do. They just don't. They don't do it. They don't pursue their dreams. They don't go after stuff, you know. And but and you just got to be honest with yourself because if you you have to be willing to if you want to live a life that others don't live, you've got to be willing to do things that others don't do. That's right. And let's face it, most people aren't willing. Most people love their jobs. They love to be comfortable. They love to show up every day and, hey, I'll put 65% in today. I'll put, I feel good. I'm going to give 85%. I'm still going to get 100% of my money. And I know I'm going to, and I'm going to have that false sense of security, which is completely a bullshit sense because you at any moment in time could be laid off. They could cut back. Your job ain't guaranteed no matter where you work. But there's that belief that we're all taught of just follow and just go to work every day, you know, regular job. You don't have to go, you know, you chase your dreams, you might fail. I, I, and which I don't get that either. The only way I've ever failed is if I quit. So now, you're right now, and, 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 and God love you for this, 
you're freaking out a lot of people that are watching this because they're going, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> he just pegged me. Um, if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find What do you tell that person who had this, like, wake, woke, this moment where they woke up and go, oh, my God, yeah, that's me. I'm collecting 100% of my pay for doing 65%. Well, and, and, and listen, that's, that's fine. I'm not condemning anybody. Uh, you know, you know that's, that's cool. You know, I don't care. That's your choice, man. That, you know, you live your life. That's fine. But I'm just telling you, if you wanted to go do something else, you could. And, and oh, I can't do it because of the, I'm at this point in my life. Yeah, you could. You just don't. Will it be hard? Yeah. yeah. Will it be, will you, will you be, you know, will it be a, a, a challenge? Absolutely. But is it something you're passionate about doing and you're, you would enjoy? Well, then guess what? You can't fail. If you're doing what you're passionate about doing, you know, and it gives you a purpose in life, then how, how are you failing? We, we get so caught up in, we, it will, well, oh, that person's successful. Why, why are they successful? Well, they're making money. Well, that doesn't make them successful. No. You know, <laughs> they could be the most miserable, That's you right. know, cut on the planet. You know, just because they're making money doesn't make them successful. Oh, well, they win X amount of, well, that doesn't make them successful. They could still be miserable, you know, <laughs> not be happy. Al, this, this like this hour plus has flown by and I don't want to, I don't slate your time, but I, I want to wrap like right on the heels of everything we've been saying. And I'll put you on the spot here for a second. Yeah. I, I, and I'm going to say sincerely, man, you, you are so freaking wise. It's blown my mind tonight. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and I appreciate the self-deprecation. I really do. I really, I think so for what it's worth. Maybe not. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so, you, someone out there is watching this and they're kind of like woken up for a moment and going, oh, maybe I'm like not where I want to be or should be, or I'm a little dissatisfied or I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Okay. You, if you catch somebody like in a moment where they're going to admit that to you, yeah. what, life, what life advice do you dispense on the spot? Go do it. You don't want it. You know, you're not a tree. You're not planted in the spot. You know what I mean? Go do it. Change. Go take, go. What do you, why, why aren't you? What, at the end of the day, what's going to happen to each and every one of us? Oh, Stories are going to come all, We're all going to ashes, man. Uh, Rick, everything dies. Everything. Not everyone. Everything. Everything has a beginning. Everything has a middle. Everything has an end. What do you got to lose? Seriously. What do you have to lose? Well, I, you know, I might lose my savings. Well, you're going to lose that anyways. At some point, you're going to lose it. How do you know that tomorrow you're going to wake up? You don't. What are you waiting on? Should I get off the pot? Go do it. You know, have fun. And go enjoy yourself. Do what you like. Do what you want to do. You know, do what you have to do. Take care of your responsibilities but find ways that you enjoy it to do it. I, that's why I always say I've, I've been blessed for 41 years because I've gotten to be able to go do what I like to do to take care of my responsibilities. You know, has it been easy? God, no. God, no. There have been lots of lots of hard, hard, hard times. You know, doing this, doing OBW is not easy. It is hard. Man, I'm telling you, it's a ball buster. Um, do I love it? Do I enjoy it? 
Yeah, why? Because I am insane, apparently. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I wouldn't know why. But, you know, and, and am I happy and satisfied with where I'm at? No. I want it, I want more. I want it, you know, and I'm going to just keep pushing until I get it. You know, so. Well, can, can we say that, that you are happy but not satisfied? I'm very happy. Uh, I really am. Uh, I have got an amazing family. I've got an amazing wife that I love very dearly. Um, you know, I get to uh, do what I love to do just in a different manner now through OVW. And, you know, I've got a lot of amazing kids here and a lot, a lot of amazing people that I get to help. You know, uh, I've, I've said for years now, if my one legacy I think I'll leave in the business is all of the kids who I have taught and brought into the business that have went on to have careers, you know, and if that's it, then I'm yeah. thrilled. Yeah. You know, I'm, I couldn't be happier and I couldn't be prouder of what I got to, you know, I got the blessing to get to do. So, you know, I, you know, people can uh, debate uh, about my career and its success or failure or, or, you know, Oh, he was only this, he was only that. I don't care. I think I, I won, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I think I've won and I'm still winning because I get to do what I love to do, you know, and, and people come up all the time. I had this argument with Mick, you know, you know, cause he, you know, fans would come up and they'd ask, you know, what's your favorite match? What's your, and Mick would always have, you know, specific ones, you know, and I don't because every time I've gotten to go to that ring, I have loved every minute of it. Whether it's, you know, and then some of them are easier. Some of them you get frustrated. Some of them aren't as rewarding. I still love it. I still enjoyed it. I still could not think of doing anything other than that, you know. And so how can I just pick one? Out of 41 years of just having a blast, getting to go out there and, you know, you get to be... A uh, magician, a rock star, a superhero, uh, you know, uh, uh, an adventurer, uh, uh, movie star, all at one time, you know, and you then you can you can tell your own stories and you get to do the one thing that makes wrestling as an art form of storytelling unique. And that is you get to create a moment and that moment, no matter what you think or what people think you can never predetermine you can say i want to shoot for this and i want to make that moment whatever it is as much as possible emotionally of that audience and you and that audience get to experience it and even if they film it it never exists or lives in the same way again it only exists in that one moment and that is amazing you know nothing more rewarding than you know, I tell people all the time, whether I'm wrestling a match or I'm, you know, telling a story over weeks and sometimes months and sometimes over an entire year, I'm always working towards just that moment. And when that moment comes off, that way I want it to come off, there's nothing better in the world. It's so absolutely awesome that I could not ever find words that could do it justice to describe it. I, I wouldn't even ask you to try it because you've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> Al, it's like, dude, it's such a pleasure. You know, I, oh, yeah. 
it's like the um, the cliche or the rote thing to say at the end of all these. It's such a pleasure to have you on. But dude, seriously, this was. Um, I love your philosophy. I appreciate it. Um, my my grown-up goal is to be able to articulate it as well as you do. So <laughs> thank, thank you, uh, thank you for that. And uh, dude, it, it, it's great having you on. And I like truly, sincerely wish you and your wife and your family and your OBW family yeah. all, all all the best of everything, man. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate that, man. And uh, let's stay in touch, my friend, yes? Absolutely. Be more than happy to. Thank you. Hope to see you soon, Al. Me too. Take care, my friend. See you, Rick. Bye-bye. And that was was Al Snow. Now, usually I would have a co-host to talk about, like, how awful that was or how great that was. And I don't have that person to play off of tonight. Um, But I'll say this, man. It's like... I don't want to say what a surprising guy because I already I've, I've known Al Snow for years. I know what an intelligent, introspective guy he is, um, and what a genuine guy he is. But I just felt like there was so much wisdom there. And you know, Al talked about you know toward the end being a magician, being being a rock star, um, and, and he has all that very well in perspective. And I, I know he's talking about that metaphorically. Um, but also as applying to being a professional wrestler in front of an audience. Uh, what I, my takeaway from that is every human being out there has that opportunity to be a rock star or a magician in their own life, uh, in the life of the people close to them, in the life of the people that just might come across um, casually on a daily basis. Al talked a lot about choice during this episode. And every day when we wake up, we have a choice. We can't, we can't say how your day is going to unfold because so much is out of our control, as he pointed out so many times during our, our hour together. But the choice we always have is how we're going to feel, how we're going to think, how we're going to talk, um, the choice of the goals that we're after. So I guess w- without being nearly as articulate as, as Al Snow, I want to say do your best. Make a choice as much as you can, and you can a lot more maybe than you think tonight. Make a choice to be your best, to be your happiest, uh, to be your most giving. Rick Bassman for Talking Tough. Looking forward to seeing you on the next one. Good night.